Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hola a todos. Bonjour, bonsoir, bon après-midi. How's everybody doing? Have you ever wondered if there's power in your story? Well, you're in luck because today's episode is with a master storyteller, but also someone who outlines why your superpower is indeed in your story. Why that is the best way that you can actually make a difference. And so we dive into his cross-culture story as someone who came here from the old Soviet Union to Kentucky, what he learned, how he found himself, how he turned his identity crisis into a gift, how he moved around and navigated several businesses and navigated away from debt to success, and ultimately what led him down the path where he's creating such a powerful platform for millennials and Gen Zers. So if you're someone right now who's struggling with an identity crisis, doubting whether you're enough, this is an episode that I hope really peps you up. Check out the episode. And as always, please feel free to send me messages. I read every single one of them. Enjoy. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's guest is Yuri Kruman. I'm very, very excited to have Yuri on the show. He's a trusted executive, career and life coach and professional strategist for millennials. I'm a millennial. You're a millennial. Everyone's a millennial. And, <laughs> and he's based in New York City as the member of well, as a member of Forbes Career Council and CEO and founder of Master to Talk Career Consul- Consulting, he has helped clients of all career stages, industries, and job markets around the world to chart a clear path on their careers, build confidence, and understand along the way how important their stories are. He's also an advisory board member of the Customer Experience Program at the Rutgers University's for Center of Innovation Education. And since 2013, he shared his expertise and empowered people with knowledge that they need to find, compete for, and win their dream, revamping their resumes, acing that interview, and negotiating for that title and salary that they deserve. Welcome to the show, Yuri. Thank you so much for having me on, Tia. Really, really excited to, uh, to be here. Well, the pleasure is mine. Your background is one that, that really strikes me as fascinating. And I get to interview so many people all over the world. Um, I really consider it an education of many sorts. And your story is one that, that has struck me um, as one of the, the most fascinating, really. So 
to share the story with the world. You, you grew up as Russian, and then you found yourself where? Well, imagine you, uh, you know, grew up in Kentucky, and when you're nine, Soviet Union just fell, and you know your mom gets a job in Lexington, Kentucky. So that's <laughs> where we went. <laughs> that's where I grew up, and you know what? It's actually I'm actually really, really happy that I grew up there, and not let's say New York, because this is a crazy place. And now I'm raising kids. Now I see it. But, you know, grew up in uh, the South, maybe not the deepest South, but still a lot of the same things. And, you know, people uh, people stab you in the back, but they're really, really nice otherwise. <laughs> I, recently, <laughs> I recently went back uh, for my oldest friend's wedding, which was in Kentucky. And, you know, I took a trip back to Lexington to meet a lot of my old professors and uh, my mentors and in some ways, that was one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done because, um, you know, now I'm coming with, let's say, a copy of my novel and it's a very, very different sort of thing and you get to see, okay, I'm definitely, at least in some ways, a better version of myself than I was in high school. So, mm-hmm. No, and then, you know, when I imagine when you come to America when you're nine, it's Kentucky and you're Russian, what were, this, what were some of those challenges? What were the identity crisis? You know, what were those challenges to fit in that you really had to deal with? Well, this comes on several levels. One is, of course, this is just after the Soviet Union fell. And as you can imagine, everyone's like, oh, Russian. So you're like a, a Ruski or this. You know, there's, there's a lot of, right. uh, well, frankly, ignorance about what the hell is Russian. Mm. And a lot of hype. Well, are you a spy? You know, now we can all laugh about it because of the Americans. And then we start crying because of the election. But, you know, you get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, there was always, always this thing like blame the Russian. And uh, I remember... And, uh, in the senior year of high school, I wrote a, a little skit for a yearbook benefit, and I had my U.S. history teacher, who happens to share my birthday, and I gave him a hammer and sickle as a gift. Anyways, so I had him as part of the skit where he runs out and like disrupts our meeting of uh, you know secret communists in the school and and whatever, and everyone had a great laugh. But you know, it took some time to get there to get that comfort. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's it's fascinating with you because I I often say. As a kid, you know, I, I you moved in nine. I moved when I was ten, um, visibly. I mean, I'd moved early when I was a kid, but I was too I was too much of a baby yep. in Sweden. So, but when I was ten, and I continued to find myself in all these areas, you know, this skinny Nigerian kid with a Nigerian accent in a French-speaking country and an American international school going through puberty. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I I know, right? I remember saying, you know, this is, was an identity crisis. I was all I was initially excited, and then I had to figure out how to turn that identity crisis into a gift. And yep. you, you say something that's, that's fat, that I love. I, I, I say fascinating a lot, but I really mean this is fascinating. Your story is your biggest asset. And that's what I learned how to do. I learned how to figure out my story. So talk to me about why you feel like people's stories are their biggest assets. Yeah. So this is, this is, um, you know, it's not an easy subject for a lot of people because, you know, everybody goes through a lot of, uh, failures and let's even before you go through failures let's say you're in high school and you're figuring out who's a freak who's a geek where do I fit am I you know I'm definitely not a jock and you know um, you know like what what where's my place I'm a I'm a Jewish kid in a you know very much Christian country and like who am I what am I and you know I, I need to usually in high school or before then you need to hide yourself because you need to fit in you need to speak a certain language you know think a certain way in Kentucky, you have to talk about basketball because it's basketball country. You know, I believe blue, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, you know, my mom was horrified when would, she would, like, come home and catch me watching ESPN or, like, we had the Cubs on for some reason. And, um, you know, those kinds of experiences, they build up that 
kind of baggage, the proverbial things that you don't want others to find out because, you know, I'm just, I'm just uh, whatever. I'm just a regular kid in high school or when you get to college, oh, whatever. I'm just like, you know, another Jewish kid and thousands of Jewish kids here. So every level you kind of bury the things that actually make you interesting and, you know, the research that you do about yourself and your, your surroundings and your background, that usually stays in the background. And so you realize, you know what? Actually, this is what um, gives me the commonalities to talk to anybody, to relate to anybody, to understand them, to speak their language, to think like them, you know. And maybe it's not a coincidence that I was an anthropology major because, you know, my whole life I've been to that point trying to fit in and understand and, and learn about all the intricacies of, you know, certain tribes somewhere or whatever. But in the end, you're still who you are. You're still from your background. You still carry the baggage of your genetics and your culture and, you know, the way that your parents screwed you up or whatever, you know, and also the, all the richness of their cultures and religion and the science and everything else that comes with it. So at some point, <coughs> excuse me, you realize that actually that is the baggage, the stuff that you hide from others in order to fit in at your workplace or wherever is actually the most interesting part. That is actually what people find fascinating, and that's what they want to learn. That's what they want to take advantage of. And that's what becomes ultimately the most valuable part of your, let's say, portfolio career, right? Being right. millennials, we think about this all the time, right? So I'm a, I'm a novel writer, and I'm a startup advisor, and, you know, I do executive coaching and career coaching, and I work with millennials and Gen Xers and, you know, everything in between and all over the place, right? So for me, I have a lot of things in my wheelhouse, yeah. and that's what makes it valuable and interesting when, let's say, I meet somebody and they're from an industry maybe I didn't even work in, but I can relate to them on those multiple levels. Maybe I know something about the Cubs because I watched them as a kid and this guy is from Chicago. you know, Or maybe I can uh, call up Teo and say, hey, you know what, I wrote a chapter on N Nigeria in my first novel and we can, you know, I'm definitely not just like a random dude who knows nothing about Nigeria, you know? <laughs> I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot of richness in, in that fabric that you fold away for, you know, the photo, for the official family or business photo. And that's, that's actually a shame. That's, that's where the interesting stuff lies. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you're saying because when I was that kid, you know, for me, the only way that I used to connect as a kid before I moved to the American International School, was sports. And at the time, the only sport I knew how to play was soccer. So I, I looked around me, and I saw that the people were playing you know, basketball. So I learned how to play basketball. And our one-on-ones became two-on-twos and three-on-threes and four-on-fours and five-on-fives. But the interesting thing that happened was that became – it. my accent didn't matter. My um, uh -huh. The fact that we all came from different backgrounds didn't matter. And I started to see what could happen if we – learn how to tap into our inner gifts and work together from different backgrounds for one common goal. And th that's sort of what, you know, led to kind of what I do right now where I'm, you know, it's, it's similar to what you do where I help people communicate across cultures, but also help people communicate yep. their stories with impact because I feel like there's power stories. And even when I was exactly. a kid, as a kid, that might have felt like uh, something that was isolating because you want to always fit in. Now you look at the <laughs> world, you look at the world, right? You, you, talk, you alluded to it earlier. The, the, election, the election sort of causes the division. You have this... Um, thing going on in, in Europe and in, in Africa and people just don't know how to listen to each other. I find that backgrounds like yours 
where you had to be the minority everywhere you were, now play a big role in our global world and in our digital world because that's something you've naturally been doing all this while. Exactly, exactly. And at some point, you learn not not just how to do it well and how to tell your story. I mean, we're, we're going to, I guess, get into my particular story a little bit more. Uh, on the professional side, this is where things get even much hairier, right? So one thing is, okay, I'm a Russian kid in Kentucky, or, you know, um, I'm, let's say, moving to UPenn where I did my undergrad, and I'm like the secular Russian kid in a Orthodox Jewish community, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But when, when I got to the stage after undergrad, I moved to New York, and, um, you know, here I am in a PhD program at NYU doing neuroscience because, hey, you know, my grades for med school weren't good enough. <laughs> so here I am at NYU. I'm, like, trying to sort of make sense. Okay, I'm doing neuroscience. I'm, um, and what, what happened during that first, first year when I was there? I started my first company. You're going to love this one. I still have the t-shirts. It was called JuicyJuice.com. What? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It sounds completely ridiculous. And when, how, where did this come from, right? I, I built the first global group on Facebook. Um, it was under the profile of Judah the Maccabee, who was the hero of Hanukkah. And um, I just basically created an algorithm which you know, told me you know, who's, a, who's Jewish or not. And I sort of tried to bring a whole bunch of Jewish kids together in one place, you know, like a social network that was kind of like the first Jewish social network. And then juicyjews.com was like a, a business built on that. And I launched it and, you know, there was a spike in traffic and it died. But I got the taste of what it's like to build a company. And that's, that's why I came back to it eventually. Wow. Wow. And you, you've done a lot of things. So in your life, right, you talk about someone that lives, has lived a crazy life. Let's, let's look at Yuri Kruman here for a second. You changed careers a total of four times while living with 250000 in law school debt in New York City. I live in New York yeah. City. I've had the debt from business school. I know what that's like, but 250000 is not something that I've ever experienced. So how did you go about changing? <laughs> I'm sure you wouldn't recommend it. I know. But how did you go about changing your career four times while living in that debt? And how did you get out of that debt? Yeah. So let's kind of start at the beginning. So I'm in, in that first year of grad school at NYU. And I'm just, it's just plainly obvious that I don't belong here. Like This is not what I pictured. And this is not what I meant to be doing. Because I, I love to have my finger in 10 pots at the same time. That's in the grad school. You focus on one subject, et cetera. So I left, and you know what? I need practical experience. I know I know, I need a grad degree because, hey, I'm an immigrant, and you know, my mom didn't bring me here to just twiddle my thumbs and figure myself out, quote-unquote. This was a conversation. So I go work as a paralegal, and then I start law school. And while I'm in law school, I'm doing all kinds of crazy internships. There's a lady on Fifth Avenue who does legal consulting. Don't ask me what the hell that is. <laughs> um, and uh, then I'm working for a hedge fund. I'm working for a insurance defense litigation firm, um, all kinds of different things. But by the time I graduate, it's 2009, and it's the recession. We're right in the middle of it. I can't really find a job, and it's just plainly obvious. I'm also not meant to be practicing law because it's just it's not the way I see the world. It's a nice skill set. It's, it's a great thing to know, but it's not what I'm meant to do. So I go into finance to pay the bills, and I do one project, another project, and I'm just also starting to see that I'm not connected here. I'm not bringing my best every day because this is not my thing. I'm helping make wealthy people wealthier. That's not really not fitting with who I am. So eventually, a friend of mine comes and he says, I remember you giving me a great idea about how to do 
um, a certain concept in medicine. So you know what? I'm building a company. I want to create something consumer-centric um, in health insurance. Do you want to do this with me? So I said, well, of course. So I'm working in a bank. This is when, um, you know, that kind of a uh, whole protest against Wall Street uh, was happening across the street from my, my bank. Occupy Wall Street, yeah. <laughs> Occupy Wall Street was right across the street from me. Um, and I, I got requests, you know, can I come in the building and film? But anyway, so I'm building a startup on the side in, in health tech and health insurance. I'm working in the bank. And I'm starting to transition into startups. And even though that one failed because you need, you know, five to ten million at the table to get to get the licenses, I got the taste again. I need to be in startups. It's more my speed. Um, I love health tech because I was always concerned about my health and my own personal story figured into my interest in healthcare. And again, I came back to that when I started opening up, you know what, this is what I should be doing. And I've actually stayed in health tech as an advisor, but eventually I got tired of working for other people in other people's startups, hoping that the equity will best. And I started my own company when I realized, you know what, I have to work with startup entrepreneurs on my own terms. I need to get paid. <laughs> Not in equity. I need to get paid in real hard, hard cash. And um, basically after that last career change, I really, you know, first you kind of tried, okay, I'm pretty good at coaching. I love talking to people, helping them form stories and, you know, get dream jobs and negotiate a higher salary. That's all great. But is this really what I'm meant to do? And, you know, you, you start finding that kind of language and psychology. And I just, I realized, oh my God, this actually is the reason why I went through all that hell of law school debt and changing careers and you know, being jobless for long periods of time and, you know, raising kids here and, and marrying someone from a different culture. Like all, all of that absolute madness had to happen so that I can help other people in that situation to, you know, take shortcuts to great results. That's why I had to go through all that. And that's, that's really why I think this is so interesting, why I want to come back to this idea of your story is your greatest asset. Yeah. Because... That's for me, it came out, you know, almost against my will because I'm always at that point referencing myself against, okay, I went to an Ivy League school. So look at all the, all the great things, you know, my classmates are doing and where am I, right? That starts to lose its uh, value when you realize what your actual mission is because you're not comparing yourself with anyone on the left or the right. It's against your own potential. That's the only thing that matters. It's not about anything anyone else is doing. God bless them. They should be successful. But my mission is X, and I need to go and do everything against that mission to make sure that you know I fulfill my purpose here. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. And that's such a powerful thing. And you know, the reason why I really wanted you to share that is because a lot of times I, I talk to a lot of people. I don't know if you know the term TCK, uh, but... That's that's who you are. <laughs> like it or not. That's yes, <laughs> that's who you are, and that's what I am. And 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 third culture kids. So when I started the podcast, it was based on that premise. I wanted to show how initially third culture kids can teach people how to embrace the global identity. And the most amazing thing happened. Obviously, I built, I gradually built a community of TCKs. But then other people that weren't TCKs started to resonate with the podcast because they found a lot of themselves. In, 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 in the story where sometimes they felt, I felt different before. I felt that before. I didn't feel like my story was there. And that's, you know, when I start to say use your difference to make a difference, which is the mission of everything I do on the podcast, because everybody has a difference. Everybody likes to think sometimes that because someone has done something before that, that means that they can't do it. But the thing, mm -hmm. 
that no one else can do better than you is be you, right? Exactly. That's the only thing. That's <laughs> all you got. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's uh it's it's interesting to hear you say that, and you don't have to have traveled to twenty nine different countries or all that, but you have to be able to say this is who I am as me, and this is what I bring to the table. And I think once you start doing that, you start to unlock the key to what it is your purpose is. So. Let's segue from that into how to craft your own compassion. Uh, sorry, you okay? <laughs> sorry, just uh, just got a cough. <laughs> I'll, send, I'll send you. I'll send you some, some hot tea now. Um, but um, uh, yeah, let's segue into how to craft your own compelling narrative and brand out of an unconventional background. Because you have a company, right? Your, your company is Master to Talk Career Consultant. Imagine you help a lot of people craft their own compelling narrative. A lot of people, like I said earlier, say. There's nothing interesting about me. Whatever. I stayed here in one town in the same place, whatever. How do you get them to get out of that mindset? I'm going to give you a great example. So one of my, one of my clients is one of my absolute best clients, right? So uh, me comes from a background which on paper is like, okay, just, you know, regular white dude. And he works at an investment bank and, you know, he went to a school down south, great school. And, you know, everything is like in some ways plain vanilla, like really high level plain vanilla, but still. So the first thing that I do with each of my clients, regardless of whether it's on the career side or startup side, is to go through four pillars that are part of my methodology, just to run quickly through this. First is life mission, meaning when you're away from your usual context, your bills, you know, family, all the pressures, what problem do you want to solve for yourself intellectually, purely selfishly, life mission? Second is values. What kinds of, what, what kinds of traits are common to the people that you choose to spend time with in your life? maybe mentors or maybe certain kinds of friends or professors or rabbis, ministers, you, you name it, right? right. Um, what is common to them? Are they kind, generous, hilarious, brilliant? They empower you. What is it? So find the commonality and stick with it because those are the kinds of people you want in your life. Third is outcomes. Outcomes is looking at not deliverables, not spreadsheets or reports. It's looking at things like what do I like to give to other people? Is it delight, meaning maybe I write music or I write poetry and I really hit them in the gut. I really make them feel something different. Or maybe it's a cheaper, better, faster business process. Maybe it's empowerment. Maybe it's curation, right? What process do you take other people through in your natural organic state? And the last one is role. Role is not about title, right? It's about what is your natural role in any situation? We're doing volunteer work. And I come to you, I say, Teo, you know, I know you're the best in the world at this, but you're also, you love it. So what, what is this, right? What, mm. how, how do we frame that? So those four pieces, life mission, values, outcomes, and role. Plus we look at negative scripts, things holding you back. And we look at founding stories, which is things like your mentors, your professors, people that influence how you make decisions, how you see yourself, your role in the world, and what you're meant to do, right? And you put those six pieces together and you have a much clearer picture. So taking a client, the same client through that process in 90 minutes, you know, again, like I said, you know, kind of plain vanilla dude is just sitting there, you know, on break from his uh, investment bank at lunch. And I realize from his conversation that he's like, I don't know if I told you my, my mom is black. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're like you're hiding in plain sight. I couldn't like, I would never be able to tell that there's just nothing. He's like, Oh yeah. And by the way, um, when I was born, I could eat five foods. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is gold. This mm. is absolute gold. Like, you don't, you don't realize that what you've been through and growing up literally hiding in plain sight, you're always the observer. You're always the one who's sort of, you know, in that role of 
seeing what everyone else is doing and trying to fit in and speaking their language and psychology, right? I'm like, you're a born coach. Maybe you should go do this. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like something that he would not really share with someone unless he felt comfortable with them, right? I mean, he's not going to say, oh, yeah, my, you know, my mom is black or, you know, I could eat only five foods when I was born. It's not something that comes up naturally in conversation with people, right? And yeah. It came right out in 90 minutes, and he's like, oh, my God, you're absolutely right. You nailed who I am. You gave me mo- the key to what I need to be doing in this life. And then, of course, you know, he goes and he finds all kinds of crazy interviews. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Who's it at Google and NFL? So all you have to do sometimes is just unlock that key, which means you need to, first of all, listen, to be a very good listener, and use what you have, right? Use your powers of observation. Use your ability to relate someone based on their language or culture or whatever. Maybe because you watched the Cubs as a kid. You know, it doesn't matter. And based on that, you unlock the key from anybody, from any person who's willing to tell you their story. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That is so powerful. And those are great pillars. I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes when I go on stage and I share a story of, you know, you know, I was maybe I didn't feel like I was Nigerian enough at some point or I didn't feel I felt like even though I wasn't necessarily African-American, I was still sort of seen as African-American and I wore that badge because I understood some of the challenges that went to that. Some people yeah. that look like me will, will mm-hmm. come up to me after the talk. This is after everyone's gone. And they'd be like, you know, I didn't want to ask the question there, but thank you for sharing that story because you're giving me an opportunity to see myself in that. And it, it, it reminds me of that story with the, the client of yours where a lot of people, they almost inadvertently hide some of the basic facts about themselves. And when they finally see someone else telling that story, they're like, oh my goodness, maybe it is special. Maybe I should yeah. talk about that more. And um, yeah, so I was just thinking when the guy said, I can only eat five foods. Uh, yeah, my mom's black. A lot of times we take all those things for granted. And then when you finally have someone like yourself point that out, it becomes this aha moment. Or if they see someone like themselves on stage and they're like, wait, that guy just has something similar with me. And he's talking about it with the world like it's something special. Maybe I should acknowledge that as something special for me as well. And that could be the, uh, the key that I need to um, get on my, my path and my destiny. You got it. Exactly. Man. You know, all, what am I doing? I'm not, I'm not sitting here as some kind of a guru or figurehead. All I'm doing is listening, number one, and then I'm really giving them context, right? I'm telling them that 
you know, on the one hand, your story is incredibly unique. On the other hand, the problems that you're going through are really banal. There have been thousands, millions of people that have gone through this. What you need to do is learn from those that have gone through it successfully, that have emerged on the other side. Yes. Learn from them. Understand <laughs> what they did and replicate their formula. That's oh, it. Man, yeah, man. And, and all the greatest ones in the world, the greatest speakers, the greatest coaches, the greatest leaders, they all share their story in some way or some form. And it, it, it came out a moment of pain. It came out a moment of, of a need to connect. But if you, if you look at people like, like Nelson Mandela, Oprah Winfrey, uh, who happened to be two of my biggest role models, or J.K. Sure. JK Rowling, for example, with the Harry Potter series and all that, the authenticity shines through when they share a lot of their stories. Because when you share your story, one, you allow people to see you as a human. You know, a lot of times stories are, are, portrayed about successful people in such a way that it's almost unattainable like they're gods like they yep. they never fa- faced any failure but when you hear someone go through a process go through several ups and downs or go through all this you're like wait i can do that too like this is not something that's unattainable for me and there is a journey and i'm going through that journey and i will continuously uh persevere that's why you were able to get out 250k in debt that's why you were able to turn your identity crisis into a gift and that's why you were able to you know move to a new new city and you know and deal with your identity and understand that being yourself is the most important thing in the world today exactly and the key is you know this is it's not the end point this is just you know i'm in the middle i mean hopefully not even the middle <laughs> not even in the middle i was about to say not even in the middle like we're, we're, we're like uh, we still have a lot of light to live. Um, okay, so then how do you translate that into a niche? You know, the other thing people always say is, okay, fine, I know how to tell my compelling story, but how do I find my my compelling and highly profitable niche? I mean, I want to make money out of this, but what's the best way to turn this into something that can actually serve me and others? Okay, so here's here's where we turn the tables, right? So let's say you're a client of mine who's trying to go from investment banking to tech. Just for example, right? Let's say you come to me and you know, I, I don't I don't know how to do that. Like I know I want to get out of here, but I don't know what kinds of you know tech companies I'm interested in. I don't know what really I connect to. I just know I want to get out of here. That's the usual scenario. So I'm I'm stuck, get unstuck. So let's take them through the four pillars and founding stories and negative scripts and we really talk through and get get that personal angle with something that they connect to. Maybe they were sick as a kid and Maybe they should go and try to help improve health outcomes by working in health tech. And, you know, maybe they know all about deal formation, financial modeling, etc. That might get them a gig in finance and operations. It's quite, quite common. Or they're much better with dealing with people and selling and, okay, go do business dev or sales. Right? But the key is first you, you take the bedrock of, of who someone is as a human and then you say, okay, these are the threads, right? This is the art. This is not the science anymore. The art is taking the threads that that person has given you. All the raw material is on the table. And I, as the curator, say, okay, as someone who's hired for startups, this is what I need to see in you in a call or meeting or interview in order to give you a chance. If I'm talking to you, that means you're already qualified. I know that you can do the job. But I want to make sure that behaviorally you're a good fit. So the vast majority of that prep for the interview, the call, the meeting is behavioral. If you come in looking like an investment banking uh, kind of character and you have your Armani suit and whatever, if I'm an entrepreneur, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to look at that very favorably. I want you to look like someone who works here, 
I want you to speak like someone who's a startup guy or gal, right? Basically, get right to the point. Don't give me the whole spiel, the whole corporate tease, whatever. Come down to, maybe not come down to my level, come up to my level, right, if I'm one of those guys. But um, basically, speak my language. Think as I think. Care about my business needs. That's what really matters, you know? Yes, I need to know that you're mo- really the two things that are most important, let's say, to go into a startup is one is you're motivated by the right things, meaning you're not just here because it's a cool startup and we just got a bunch of money, but you're in health tech because you had health issues as a kid and you were able to overcome them and you always think about improving other people's health outcomes. And the other thing is it's not about what you know. It's not about your pure brilliance and what you've studied. It's about how quickly can you learn. Right, so my my whole thing is after getting the four pillars and that you know the material with which we work now I shape it into exactly what it needs to look like for that particular audience, right? And for my startup clients, I would help them to shape that message into their um, investor deck, right? Or for their email to potential advisors or how they want to get potential employees, right? Different messages for each audience, but it's still working with the same raw material. And that's that's what makes it amazing for me. I just, I, I get to play with that Play-Doh all day. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that must be so fun too. I mean, so much fun. That's, that's incredible. So you get to do that. And then obviously, you know, people follow that, they follow that step-by-step process and they understand how they can build a niche in a crowded market. Um mm-hmm. Okay, and then if we've if they say okay, I've built my nation a crowded market. I have established a personal brand. What type of mindset do you feel like they need to cultivate? For me, I think a lot of people talk about competence, and it's a great, great, great thing to have. But that has to work in tandem with mindset because there will be inevitable challenges along the way. There'll be failures, and there'll be times when you question yourself. So, how do you coach your clients to deal with that mental? Uh, struggles, those mental struggles, rather. Okay, so let's let's sort this into two different um, critical components, right? So on the one hand, when I work with a client and let's say they want a job or they want an inv- you know somebody to invest in them, right? The first and most important thing is to bring value to that person, right? Don't go asking for money or you know give me a job because of my pretty eyes or whatever, right? Go and <laughs> serve. Right? You should want to serve others through your mission. And if that mission involves working for someone, then show them what your mission is, right? And show them how you can bring tangible value from day one so that they don't have to hold your hand. Okay? Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, this is in some ways like both of these components are what most people miss, even if they're brilliant, even if you know they have the perfect credentials, they miss the the value and the service part. And they, at the same time, they miss the second component, which is having a buyer's mindset. We know this from finance. Buyer, you're in the best situation when you're a buyer because everyone is dancing around you in order to get your business, right? As opposed to being a seller where you have to go through your pitch and it's annoying. What do I mean by buyer's mindset? Buyer's mindset means when you approach an opportunity, meaning to go work for someone. You have to think, you know, work for someone or to get get their investment. Instead of wanting to sell yourself per se, right, you should want to understand, okay, how is my investment 
of time, sweat, equity, is this going to be the best investment in this partner, meaning in my boss, in you know his or her company, or the money from this VC? Will this be the best partnership, right? Yeah. For me, for my goals, for my life mission. Will this bring me closer to where I need to go? And most people are running around in circles. Oh my God, I need to change my resume and my LinkedIn and uh, oh my God, you know, uh, how do I sell myself? Sell, 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 right? It's not about selling. You tell your story well, and that person reacts in the right way to hearing your story. Of course, you have to have your story down right, and you have to address their business needs, yes. But in making your decision as to where to go work, or with whom to work, or whose money to accept in your startup, you need to come as a buyer. Because your investment of, of time working for them, or you know, uh, sweat equity in your business will either bring you closer to your life mission, your goals, or mm-hmm. it will take you farther away. Right. If you don't have that straight, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, dropping knowledge, knowledge bombs here. I really appreciate that. So that would be a disaster if you really don't do that. And mm-hmm. everything works in tandem. You know, it starts with knowing your story, knowing why you and you know, your values and all those things that you mentioned but also, if you're going to really commit to the work of turning that into a service, the, you know that that's that's also some work that you have to do, and that involves a lot of self-awareness, a lot of you working towards understanding the terrain, the environment that you, you're uh-huh. you're putting yourself into, and then going back to who you are, knowing how that value plays a role in this terrain. That's, wow. Okay. Uh, as we get ready to wrap up, I want to give the audience. Uh, another chance to get a glimpse of your other aspects. You know, you're a multifaceted individual. Uh, you've done a lot already, but you know, you're you based in New York City. You're based in New York City. You, you publish two novels of fiction, and poetry. Uh, you live with your wife. Your wife is French, uh, and you have two kids. So let's start with the wife piece. You're Russian. They came to America. You're married to a French woman. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Tell me how that works. <laughs> Oh, it's a very romantic story, but I won't bore you with the details oh, you, too much. I love love, man. That's, that's not boring. You know, I, I'm like the <laughs> I love everything. All right, okay. <laughs> all right. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, Lubavitch or Chabad House. I mean, they're all over the world. Basically, it's a Jewish um, place for you know, Jewish kids to gather and you know maybe meet their future spouse or maybe to have a dinner on Friday night or right. I don't know, pick up some knowledge hopefully. So. My, my wife was at uh, Columbia, and uh, she went to this Chabad house. I came there for dinner. I was sort of seeing someone and was on break with them at the time, and I see this, this French girl. I'm like, hmm, okay, very interesting. So at the end of the dinner, it was actually a Jewish holiday of uh, Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles. Um, and, you know, like I'm talking to my friend the whole time. I'm like, man, who's, who's that girl? Who's that girl? So I go at the end of the dinner and ask her, I'm so sorry for the forward question, what is that perfume you're wearing? She kind of looks at me like, okay, um, it's euphoria. Okay. Two minutes later, my friend goes ask the same question. She's like, I don't know what's going on here. Go ask your friend. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our first encounter. Then you know, I saw her once, twice, you know, five times, and she forgot my name every single time. Remembers, oh, you're a Russian, you're a lawyer, but I'm so sorry I forgot your name. <laughs> and the fifth time I said, look, my name is Yuri, and from now on you're going to remember because that's enough. <laughs> and two weeks Get this. Two weeks later, I'm uh, on J-Date, and I'm like, oh, hot list, hot list. I didn't realize I, I knew this girl. She, she gets back to me, and she's like, okay, you're at you know, Columbia. You're on J-Date, Facebook. What's the deal? 
I'm like, all right, enough nonsense. Let's go for a drink. So you know, we go for a drink at the, the MoMA. There's a beautiful bar there. If you ever need a, a date place, it's phenomenal. Mm. So get there, and um, you know, I'm waiting, and she walks in the door, and my jaw drops. I kind of have to put it you know, a little bit back in place. So this amazing date, you know, we, uh, I ordered the drink that she loved. She ordered the drink that I loved. And we like, just, you know, I found out all these other things about her. She's an engineer, grew up in Morocco. And, uh, you know, next thing I know, it's 3 a.m. And we're still out on our date. Oh my God, this is amazing. So we're both at the, at that time, we were leaving each of us with our friends. We didn't have an apartment <laughs> to call our own. And, um, you know, we went on three dates, and second one was 25 hours, and super romantic. Wait, wait, 25 hours? 25 hours. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I said romantic. I meant it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, then she goes away for five weeks. You know, her um, grandparents are in Paris. Her aunt is there. Mom is in Morocco. Her dad is in Bali, of all places. So, she, like, goes to visit all of them between grad school and, you know, starting to work. So she comes back, and guess what? Her visa, you know, there's a one-year OPT. Yeah. Her visa got sent back from her address. <laughs> like, uh-oh. Um, so we kind of had a, you know, the movie Green Card. We kind of had that play out. <laughs> <laughs> so we both don't have a place to live, and we're having drinks. I get an email, says a friend of mine, I'm moving out. I want to keep this among friends. It's Columbia Housing. It's like under the table. Um, and like, listen, I know this is totally nuts. I know we just went on three dates, but like, we both need a place to live. So I was like, all right, let me talk to my mom, my grandma. And they said, yes. So we moved in and the same week I went to get a ring and we, we did the civil ceremony. She needed a two for the papers. And yeah, then, you know, 11 months later after she took me to Morocco and her parents were like, all right, he's, he's fine. He maybe speaks a little French even. So we got married. Uh, we did the religion, religious ceremony. And, um, you know, that's, that's how we got started. Wow. Pretty wild. Wow. I mean, I mean, I can see why you're a novelist now. I mean, you're such a great storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of stories. <laughs> you, 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 said, you said, you know, the movie Green Card. This reminds me of The, the Proposal with Ryan, uh, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Sandra Bullock. Uh, it's like, okay, all right, all right this is cool. <laughs> um, so uh, that is, that, thank you for sharing that. I love that. Well, then, did any of that play out in your books? Because you also, you, you, you know, and you don't just consult and work with millennials and career placement, but... You published two novels of fiction and poetry. I'm just curious if any of that romance, romantic uh, notions played into your books. Well, there's no question. I mean, uh, without too many details, uh, fiction does not is not born in a vacuum. <laughs> we'll, mm. we'll leave it there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, wh wh where can they find your your books then, and your and your works of fiction? On uh, Amazon, you know, uh, barnesandnoble.com, pretty much any, okay. any of those kinds of websites. All right. And I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. But before we leave, I have to uh, definitely give you an opportunity to talk about what you do with your companies and where people can, you know, go to sign up maybe for the master to talk, career consultant, or any other thing that you're up to. So just pitch away. Okay. All right. So my, my company, as I mentioned, is uh, half kind of career slash executive coaching, half uh, startup advising. The website is very simple, masterthetalk.com. And uh, I'm also starting to move um, into more corporate consulting on, you know, subjects like, uh, of course, millennial hiring and, uh, you know, attraction and how to create a customer experience that appeals to millennials. 
that's one side. I'm also doing more speaking, and um, you know, there's always there's always more to do. Maybe I'll be a podcaster one day, but for now, I love uh, I love uh, doing uh, things like I still buy nomads. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a book in the works, actually three books in the works, but <laughs> there's there's a lot. But basically, those are the two big pieces of my uh, practice. It's uh, career and executive coaching for millennials that want to change careers, and there's the startup advising side, helping health tech, fintech, and other companies to to go from ideas to raising money and hiring professional managers. Okay. Okay. Well, I do want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, this has been such a fascinating journey for me. And anyone listening that's a third culture kid, that's a nomad, or anyone that's that doesn't identify with either, just understand that your story is your your superpower. And it's ultimately what can get you out of any of those difficult situations. And as soon as you learn how to own your story and deal with the challenges, you become more confident with whatever business you have and whatever goals you hope to achieve. So, Yuri, before we leave, I have to ask you this. I ask all my guests this question. My mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. It's, it's what I firmly believe. It's why I'm committed to building the next set of global leaders, and I want people to tap into their inner greatness. So how do you, Yuri, use your difference to make a difference? Well, I basically use my own story to help others unlock theirs so that they can create opportunity out of nothing. Okay. Your story to unlock theirs to help them create opportunity out of nothing. Short, succinct, to the point, and powerful at the same time. Thank you, Yuri. (laughs) Thank you so much, Theo. It's really been a great hour. Oh, no, it has. It has. This has been fun. Um, And I'll make sure I put everything in the show notes. Uh, but thank you for being great. Thank you for spending the time. And till next week, ladies and gentlemen, or next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.